as soon as you make changes internally, you start to see that externally in your life manifesting just the reality around you. Um, you know, all the pieces start falling into place when you change you um, at the core. So I, I, I'm definitely a big proponent of, of looking internally before you start blaming external factors, right? This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation with my friend, Alex Immel. Alex is a certified life coach with a passion for career development and sales. He recently moved to San Diego and works with a cool startup called Pathrise, which is the world's first talent agency for the everyday job seeker, helping people transition into tech or level up at their current career. Growing up, he's had the opportunity to live on three continents, four countries, four states, and 12 different cities. These experiences turned Alex into a highly adaptable person who embraces change and welcomes challenge. We talked all about hitting goals, living with purpose, building community, and dug into his story of overcoming his dependency to Adderall. It was a really powerful and insightful conversation and supercharged and inspired me. Alex is an absolute go-getter and is someone who always shows up at the highest level and puts in the work. So we were able to talk a little bit more about the methodology behind that. Alex is not on social media, so you'll hear about that in the conversation as well. So there's no social for for you to check out to follow. Just buckle up and enjoy this conversation with Alex Immel. Alex Immel in the flesh. Hey, bro. How you doing, man? Wonderful. Oh, so good. So good. It's so fun to have you as the inaugural first guest in my new apartment here in Del Mar. The first guest on the podcast in the studio. Congratulations. It's truly an honor. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you, man. I think the coolest part is that you literally walked here from your house. Like, Mm -hmm. I I love the fact that we've been talking about this for so long about you moving to Southern California. Like, you being in San Francisco is amazing, but you making the move to Southern California with Katie, unbelievable. And it, like, we talked about it for so long and it happened. And of course, we happen to end up being less than a mile, 15 minute walk away from each other. So cool. Dude, I, I, I am beyond grateful and, and actually like it, it's even like an affirmation that I've had for a while, you know, saying to myself, I'm so happy and grateful to be here with my friend Joshua in Let's San go. Diego. Like it really actually has manifested itself to where we are right now. To and, this uh, exact moment. It's just, it, we're boom, we're here. And we're here. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Cause you're always someone that's that's been very intentional with your focus, with your goals, with your affirmations. Like what was that process of like deciding you wanted to move to San Diego, setting that goal, preparing for it? Cause I know that you, you were planning, you wanted to be out here even sooner. You, you, you pushed the timeline back a bit, but you were still focused on it. What was that process like deciding to move to San Diego? 
Well, I think it started honestly when I was moving out to San Francisco. Um, you know, we did that program through school, the digital innovation thing. Shout out to Miami University Red Hawks. Shout Let's out. go. Um, and you know, moved out to San Francisco and, and knew I wanted to go down to Southern California at some point because I, I want to surround myself with good people. And I just knew that they were down here. Like I, I knew I had a group of friends that I could uh, rely on and that would push me to grow and, and, you know, challenge me to be a better person. And, yeah. um, you know, with, with the whole crew in LA, uh, you, when you were down there, I wanted to move to LA. Um, San Diego turns out to be better than LA, honestly. Hey. <laughs> so that naturally progressed into a San Diego conversation. Um, but I think what, what really happened is I kind of just let go of that for a while. Um, because I was, I was forcing it. Like I was mm -hmm. like, I'm not happy with where I'm at right now. Um, and I want to be in LA or I want to be in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Um, but as soon as I let go of that and just focused on like where I was and, and building friendships in San Francisco and enjoying that and letting the process play out, it, it unfolded exactly how it should have, mm -hmm. you know, like it really felt like the timing is right now, wow. you know? It, it wouldn't have worked out before it would have been forcing it and, and it wouldn't have been, you know, it wouldn't have been the, the right timing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember at one point you were like, I'm going to move to San Diego like this week <laughs> or, or L.A. I'm going to move to L.A. like this week. That's it. I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And is that what you mean about like forcing it in that way? And as soon as you just said, OK, I'm going to be where I'm at, be happy and grateful where I'm at and then like wait for the right opportunity to come. Is that was that kind of the approach? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, there was multiple times where I, I was just like ready to, you know, quit my job yeah. and, and like just start the entrepreneurial endeavor and like figure it out. Um, had some people to keep me grounded, like, you know, my dad um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, other people in my life, like Katie, just like mm -hmm. the rational side and, and, you know, allowing me to kind of see both sides of the spectrum there. Um, yeah. So, tell yeah. me more about that, like energetic approach to um, not forcing something or like the, the distinction between feeling you're forcing something versus like making something happen. I feel like that's like a challenging kind of line to flirt. How does how does that sit with you? How do you feel about that? <sighs> that's such a tough question to answer. I feel like when you force something, it doesn't, it, it doesn't flow the right mm -hmm. way. You know, it's like, um, you, there's a lot more resistance around it, you know, resistance, meaning resistance as in just energetically, you yeah. know, uh, of like you, you are trying to make it happen so badly that, other external factors around you just like also are, are trying to make it happen. And we know the word try yeah. doesn't actually, you know, not work out, word. not our favorite word. Right. Um, so it, it just like when you ha when you step back and you like surrender to where you are now and let it go, the timing works out exactly like you need to. That's great. Yeah. You can't, you can't force the time. You can't fake the timing. And I think that everybody yeah. can relate to that. It's with like, Think about like the most special things in your life or the most special moments in your life. Like you couldn't have predicted that. Like you couldn't yeah. have forced that. And I, I think it's always an interesting balance between like being patient and being persistent and being uh, open to the flow and making shit happen. Mm. So uh, I, yeah, I'm still exploring. That's why I asked you the question. I don't have an answer on that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But I do think that you can kind of feel it in your body when you feel it, when you know that you're 
when you know that you feel like you're forcing something that there's external signs, there's the internal feedback you get from your body or from yourself of like something doesn't feel mm -hmm. right here. You try to ignore the signs, right? You kind of yeah. like you got oh, the blinders maybe. on and you're just like, oh, I need to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Versus like the it's a push and a pull maybe versus mm -hmm. like feeling like you're being pulled in this direction and like this is this is the path. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, you, it, it's kind of like you catch a wave, right? Yeah. You know, you just it, it crashes with you, you know, mm -hmm. and that's that's the best timing when you're able to catch it at the right time. Amazing. Yeah. It, it, it really, really is. So um, you're clearly different in the best way possible. You're one of the <laughs> others. Um, do you feel like there was a point in your life where you kind of hit this fork in the road and you were like you saw people going left and you went right or you kind of became consciously aware of what you wanted to create or what you wanted to do with your life or do something different? Like, was there a moment where you kind of felt that like red pill, blue pill matrix type of thing? Yeah, I was, I think probably uh, high school um, when I, I don't know, I, I just, um, I realized that there was, there was more for me out in the world. I don't know. Um, it's it's tough to pinpoint an exact moment yeah. right now. Um, but maybe like a few a few things that led you to the path that you're on now. Yeah, uh, you know, I started to to read all the self help books mm. in high school. Um, in high school, you were on it early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I you know I played sports and, and stuff growing up, and I felt like um, it, it always like drove me to get better. And, mm. um, I think I, I had that kind of growth mindset early, uh, through sports and, and through just being coachable and, and trying to soak up everything I could. So I just started to read those self-help books, um, you know, starting with the basics and, and learning from that and getting more excited about it. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one thing that kind of led to that path of like self-actualization and, and right. growth. Right. Um, there's, there's other moments that I feel like later that have, have really sparked for me as well. Mm. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the most recent ones is when I finally, uh, kind of quit Adderall. Mm. I think that's like the, the start of like this, this bigger journey for myself. Um, tell me more about that. Take us through that. Yeah. Well, I think to take you through that, I might have to start back to high school. Let's go back to high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, I because I, you know, as I was saying, I was like working really hard, and you know, I was playing two sports at the same time. I'd be doing like football workouts and then going to lacrosse practice and games and stuff like that at the same time while taking AP classes. And I felt like I was, I, I saw all my friends that were able to balance grades and actually do well on ACTs, SATs, all this stuff, and um, and I felt like I wasn't enough. I felt mm -hmm. like I, you know, wasn't smart enough. Um, and I needed something else to, to help me, you know, get through that, uh, stumbled across Adderall and I started to take it more regularly, even lost sleep in high school from doing that. Um, and it created this like really bad habit over time mm -hmm. that eventually led to me becoming reliant on it. And forming this story around, wow, I need this and I have ADHD. I don't have ADHD. Like <laughs> there's people that have ADHD out there, you know, that's, 
uh, it's not me, right? So I, I created this story that I had this disability that was preventing me from, you know, doing well in school. And I feel, I feel like all these expectations were on me. Um, so I, I started to, to use the Adderall as a crutch to help me get through that, mm. you know, studying for ACT, SAT. And I, I remember sitting at the, the lunch table in high school and like hearing my friends being like, oh, did you hear about Rebecca? Like she got a only, she only got like a 26 on her ACT. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, I got a 22. Like what, <laughs> you know, I was like really, you know, not, not feeling good about that. Yeah. So I, I found, you know, the Adderall started to help with the studying and all that stuff, right? So did you get prescribed? I eventually did. Wow. Yeah, actually in college, um, right around the time when, you know, when we were sophomores in the fraternity living house, together, yeah. living together, um, you know, the morning ritual that I had. <laughs> yeah, where, tell us about the morning ritual. This is one thing I'll never forget. Yeah, I mean, it. I would literally wake up at like four in the morning and have like, like my Adderall pill, like uh, a five hour energy and like, I forget something like a, yeah. a, a bowl, a bowl, bowl packs for me. And I would like take the Adderall, chug a five hour energy, hit a couple hits of the bowl and then fall back asleep and then naturally wake up from the Adderall and like start studying until my first class and like just cram everything. And, yeah. and I just like had such an unhealthy habit of doing that. And I, you know, I, I literally prescribed, I, I found a way to get prescribed to it, which was easy, which is easy to do, yeah. you know? Um, so eventually just like it, it turned into this habit where, you know, I'd be pulling all nighters all the time. I'd be, you know, I wasn't myself. I, I actually, you know, for about six or seven years while I was on Adderall, I realize now, now that I'm off it, um, that it, it wasn't like the best version of, of Alex, mm. you know? Um, so like just this past year during COVID is finally when I decided to make that change and pivot wow. and, uh, and make that big shift in my life. And, um, April 7th was the last day I took it and I, you know, there's no turning back. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's very powerful. And I mean, I, I feel like you started to probably get a sense of, I don't want to be on this or I don't want to feel reliant on this. Was that what like led you down the path of saying, I want to get off of this? Like what switched that? Well, what I, what it was is actually, I think my relationship with Katie, mm. um, you know, we've been together for five and a half years. Um, yeah. and obviously there's been ups and downs, like hasn't been all sunshine and daisies, but um, there's a, there's a point where it was like, I was blocking myself from being the best boyfriend I could be, the best mm. partner I could be. Um, and I would, I would like put it on her, you know, like it was like, you know, you need to change, you need to do this, yada, yada. But really it was, I, I stopped and like reflected and was like, what can I do to change to improve this relationship, to, you know, be the best version of myself and that be the best partner I can be. And I looked at every aspect of my life. I was optimizing in every way, you know, going to the breath work, like meditating every day, you know, exercising, like working hard at, at work, like progressing my career. A lot of the boxes were checked, um, had a great social life, but there was just this thing that was nagging, like this secret that like I was relying on this drug. And it was like something that really was... Um, was hard to to keep secret and to keep suppressed mm. so i needed to find help for it and honestly when i made that decision to find help it was you know last year in 2020 like march of 2020 
I reached out to Sage mm-hmm. and, and got some help from him, you know, working through the breath work and, you know, having someone to keep me accountable. Um, and then just quit cold turkey one day. And, you know, it's definitely, it was tough. It was really hard to get through that first, like maybe three, six months of, of figuring out how to work right. without having that crutch. Um, but ultimately what it, it led me to was like, just becoming the real Alex, like, mm. and honestly, the real Alex is really cool. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm more, I'm a leader, like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more social. I'm more present in conversations. I'm, you know, more goofy, you know, yeah. uh, it really is like something that was just blocking me from being that version, which then translated into my relationship with Katie that has just grown exponentially in the last year or two. Like it's just been amazing, you know, what, what that's been able to do. So I, I've seen that essentially mirrored into my life where I looked internally and was like, what can I change? Because something that I'm reflecting out into the world is not working. And this was the big thing that I needed to change. So I, I took that step. That's really powerful, man. I feel like that that's a that must have been a really challenging thing to come to terms with. Okay, I'm going to stop this because part so much of your identity was wrapped up into that, right? And like, yeah. there's probably was there a lot of fear around like, well, what, what's, what's, what is, who is the real Alex? Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I felt like a fraud, mm. you know, and I would be at work and like busting my ass, and and people would give me praise, and I wouldn't feel like I deserved it. You know, mm-hmm. it was just this vicious cycle of like, man, like what are you doing? You can't do this with, you can't work without this. Like this is a really tough path to be on. So, um, I just felt like I needed to make that decision to just end it, you know? Yeah. And I, it, my life is 10 times better. Right. Actually, I work harder now. <laughs> I was going to say, how does it affect your work? Yeah. It seems like relationships increase socially. Increase. Yeah. How did the work, how have you adapted to the real, how does the real Alex work? Well, it actually allowed me to, to find my lane. You know, um, what do you mean by that? Because I'd be forcing something like doing things that I didn't actually want to do, but Mm -hmm. I could do because I was on Adderall. Interesting. So like naturally my position in the company that I was at shifted to more of like a leadership role because I, you know, stopped doing the, the monotonous tasks that make me look productive and make me, you know, hit my, my metrics, whatever. Get praise. Get praise. (laughs) Right. Um, and then shifted to like being smarter with my time and, you know, being the leader that I was meant to be. Right. So, um, it, first of all, it just manifested into actually what my role looked like. Um, but also I, it became, you know, more of a, like, a a thing where I enjoyed my work, Mm. you know, um, so it was a lot easier to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, you know? for sure. What what advice do you have to someone who might be using a substance like Adderall or something else, feeling like they're not able to be their real self because of their dependence on something like that? You know, the advice I would give is is um, is ask for help. Honestly, like I feel like that's the the cliche yeah. way to go about it. But when you're alone on it it's easy to fall into that trap of like, oh, I'll do it next month or I'll do it, you know, what the, I'll finish up this script and then go to, you know, whatever. So, um, I think when you start to communicate it with people 
like just have those conversations, like literally just talk to a friend about it, talk to someone that you trust, family member or whatever. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be something that you immediately start. Like that's a little scary for people, but, um, I think as soon as you start to reach out, that's when it becomes easier. Yeah. You've got to. Yeah. That's the first step for sure. I love that. Yeah. And and I, I like the way that you're talking about, especially with, with your relationship with Katie too, that model for, for change. It's like rather than projecting or having her try to change or, or complaining that she's not doing something a similar, a, a certain way, like look within yourself, like man in the mirror, Michael Jackson. I know that's one of your favorite yeah, songs. Yeah, it is one of my favorites. <laughs> like, <laughs> how can you embody that change? Has that been something that has helped you grow? And is that something that you're, you're big on? Oh yeah. I mean, life is a mirror, literally. Um, it, it, you know, you know, as, as well as anyone like uh, this, as soon as you make changes internally, you start to see that externally in your life manifesting just the reality around you. Um, you know, all the pieces start falling into place when you change you um, at the core. So I, I definitely am a big proponent of, of looking internally before you start blaming external factors, right? Big time. Yeah. And there's something super empowering about that too. I feel like, it, you know, shifting from the victim mentality of blaming or complaining or environment to, okay, yes, what can I do about this? And mm -hmm. like, it's easy for, it's easy for us to say, like, I mean, everybody faces their own challenges, but like, uh, there's some, so, so many inspiring people that have been through hell and back. And those people are able to say the same thing. Like that inspires the crap out of me. Yeah. It's a, it's a really powerful, it's, it's like really empowering. Do you find that to be an empowering process when you're like, okay, cool. I can change. So like, I'm going to change. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a game changer yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you don't have to rely on, on the external factors, you can just actually, you can feel empowered to make the change yourself mm -hmm. and then trust the process that will unfold in the way that it should. And it actually probably won't unfold the way that you want it to or expect mm -hmm. it to, at least from the start. Right. But it, it will unfold the way that it's supposed to. Yeah. You know? That seems like a pretty strong belief you have. Yeah. What, it, tell me more about that belief or other beliefs that you hold, like very certainly with conviction that have helped you. Oof. I believe that we, we have, um, we all have the ability to adapt to any circumstance. Um, there's, it, it's usually a, a lack of experience to adapting that, that creates like this fear around it. Um, and I, and actually uh, I'll just reference, like, I think the reason why I, I've become more it, like created this growth mindset for myself or, you know, just, um, been able to, to have the belief that I can look internally and, and change or, you know, I'm in control of that, uh, in control of my own destiny, so to speak, um, is, is partly because of the way that I was, that I grew up. Um, I was really lucky. My, my dad, you know, had a job that took him all over the world. Right. Um, so me and my family, although at the time I wasn't super pumped, you know, being a, a seventh grader being told I, I got to move to Brussels, Belgium from Cleveland, Ohio. I thought Brussels, Belgium was in China. <laughs> um, I literally was not excited about that, but it, you know, it turned out to be the, 
you know, the best thing for me. And, you know, we moved around. I was born in Tokyo. I was, you know, lived in Vienna, Austria, and um, we lived in Belgium and lived all over the U.S. And each time we had to move, it's like you pick up and you start new with your friends and, and everything like that. But what it forces you to experience is just like that change, that yeah. constant change. And being able to adapt to that is super important. But it's not something that like you can only have if you live all over the world growing up, right? Like um, it just take it's reps, right? It's it's being open to that change. It's being it's embracing it as a good thing because although there will be challenges through that, they typically turn out really great for you, mm -hmm. right? Um, you could look back at at most things that were tough and be grateful for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you're if you're in the growth mindset, you certainly do, because that's where the growth because that's where the growth happens. You understand that in order to grow, in order to learn more about yourself, in order to evolve, in order to become more of yourself or become better, you need challenges. Mm -hmm. As uh, Tyler from Breathe Degree says, nothing ever good happens when you're warm and cozy. Nothing. Greatness was never achieved being warm and cozy. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think everybody can. I mean, like I always think of the gym is the perfect analogy to that. You're tearing muscle fibers. Nobody likes going to the gym. I mean, yeah. you like going to the gym because you like what feelings become associated with it. And you like facing those challenges and breaking through that resistance wall and, and, and shifting your body chemistry and shifting your energy. But like, that's what you learn to love about it. Nobody likes going running sucks. <laughs> I hate running, but I love it so much because I love breaking through the resistance. I love the challenge that it brings and I love what it does to my body. And I love how I feel after I do it. Yeah. So I think that that's such a critical point. And I, I, I don't know if you feel this too, but I, I think that like, I think it's really important for our generation specifically to, and, and the one below us to, to like really embody that and not try to like run away from the challenges, but actually embrace the challenges. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's, um, it's also interesting. Like, uh, you know, I know you work with Giorgio. I, mm -hmm. I worked with Giorgio for a while too. And he always preaches the, the, there's equal parts challenge and support in every situation in life. Right in the yeah, middle. There's tell me more the, about that. There's the George, truth, and Giorgio's our our coach, our mindset coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Giorgio's the mindset coach. Who that, we're still not sure is, if is a human being <laughs> or a robot or an alien. Definitely, think from another planet. A hundred. He's a wizard. Yeah, he he's read my mind mm -hmm. multiple times, um, which has freaked me out a little bit. Yep. But uh, yeah, he he knows his stuff, and um, he talks about how every situation in life is equal parts challenge and support. In the middle, there's truth of what's really going on. Um, and you got to really dig into that because there's value in both. Mm. There's value in both the challenge and support. And honestly, and, and it's the same thing actually with positive versus negative mindset in, in the world. I think a lot of people are in the flu, floofy, you know, like mm -hmm. you got to stay positive, man. Like, you know, do all that stuff. Right. But honestly, there's a lot of value in the negativity, right? Yeah. There's a lot that we can gain and you're only getting 50% of the pie if you're looking at the world as just this positive good vibes only good vibes I, although only. i love that phrase so much I know. but like yeah, yeah for sure you 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 really do want to be grateful for that that challenge be grateful for the negative negative side because then you're getting value from both you're getting 100 percent of the pie in life and you're soaking it all up mm, that's a big one toxic positivity as yeah I refer to it because I yeah. think that it is it, it's a totally big thing, especially in the self-help space or especially especially when you're like growth oriented is just like 
Just focus on the good. And there's 100% value. Like you want to focus on the good stuff, but you don't want to ignore the 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 seemingly bad stuff because that stuff is the good stuff in disguise. Like that's the it's like it's like the 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 opportunity in disguise in a costume dressed yeah. up as the the seemingly bad thing. But so many people want to just avoid that and just focus on the good thing. But they're 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 missing the the thing right there that's that's calling for them. And it's not going to go away just by shifting your focus. Right. It's not yeah. going to just go away until you can recognize where there's the support in there, recognize where the blessing and the gratitude is for that thing. Mm-hmm. And then it shifts through. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the signal to, you know, it's a cue about you know, making a pivot, right. Or, mm-hmm. or, um, or figuring out what you want or don't want. Right. It's the signal for, um, for, for more growth to come. It's just, yeah, there's, there's a lot of value in both yeah. for sure. But yeah. I used to be full on the positive good vibes only spectrum. Mm-hmm. I've kind of dialed it back and, mm-hmm. and learned to, to find that balance, the yin and the, in the yin and the yang in it of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Um, I want to chat with you about purpose for a sec. Hmm. So you're someone who lives very purposefully through my eyes and through knowing you and through being friends with you for so many years and very intentionally with how you spend your time, how you conduct yourself during your day, the work that you do, um, and the deeper purpose that you align with and flow with. Tell me a little bit more about like, I remember you had an aha moment around your purpose maybe a year or two ago. Um, around like finding your purpose, discovering your purpose. Like what, what's your thoughts on that idea? Yeah. Um, I did have an aha moment during a, a rock and lunch group sesh. Shout out, shout out to, uh, RLG. Shout out to RLG, the um, mastermind group we did. That yeah, was good stuff. It was great. Uh, and you had a guest speaker on it. I forget who, but, um, there was a conversation that was had that just like led me to this aha moment where I was like, wait a second. Everything that I'm doing is with the purpose of being the best dad that I can be later in life. Like the reason why I wake up in the morning at 5 a.m. and go through the breath work, go for a, a run or, you know, work out and then journal and, and like prep my day, like have that ritual, work hard throughout the day, like still find time to be social and do all that stuff. Like the, the stuff that drives me is to be the best version of myself. And the reason why I want to be the best version of myself is to be the best dad I can be later in life. Mm. And I love what you say too. You all, you want to be the best grandfather that you can be. Yeah. That's, that's what I want to be when I grow up is be the best grandpa ever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you're, when you're the best version of yourself, then you can, you know, teach those lessons to your kids. And I just think that I, I realized like, wait, that, that's what's driving me. Like, that's what. And why? why? Why do you want to teach those lessons to your kids? Like, what will that bring you or the world? Well, it, it brings a sense of, of joy and fulfillment from, like, passing on lessons and, mm. um, and seeing someone else grow, right? I think that when you give, you, you actually receive a lot more. Like, you receive a lot of good feelings by giving. And when you can do that to someone that, you know, is part of your family and someone that you created or, you know, adopted or whatever, like that is just so freaking cool. So yeah, I, I think that is like, you know, a big driver into like why, why that's, that's a focus for me. Mm. It's like being the best version of myself so I can be the best dad later. But what's interesting is I just had a more recent development in like what I believe is my purpose. Ooh, tell me more. Yeah. Um, 
it relates to the dad. Uh, Georgie will help me understand this too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I kind of took a look at all the parts of my life, like in my like career or professional type things and tried to figure out like, what is, what am I, what is my purpose in, in terms of my career? And, and just wrote down everything that I've done. And I saw a common theme across it all, like playing sports, like working in sales, you know, working, um, you know, on class projects and, um, you know, being, collaborating with people. Being but a team player, yeah, yeah, being on a team. Exactly. I, I find purpose and meaning in being on a team. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. My purpose is to be a part of a team. Like, that's what I love every day is, mm. is waking up and being able to work with people and and strive towards the same goal. Mm. And in a way, that's what being a dad is. You're on a yeah. team with your partner, with your wife, you know, your, your significant other that, um, you know, that you're forming this person's life, you know, that you're uh, molding their your team captain. You're, we're team <laughs> captain. I mean, it's such a cool thing how it all connects there, but it really is just as simple as like, wow, I, I love being a part of the team. I love being around people. That's my purpose. Like, do more of that. And it doesn't matter what form that takes. Right. Like I'm in, I'm in, you know, sales right now. Um, I kind of sales. Um, but like, you know, I'm a, I'm a part of a team and mm. that, and I love, it's my dream job. Like I love waking up and doing that because of the teamwork aspect. And, you know, the dad will be the, a different form of that. Right. You know, there'll be many forms of me being a part of a team, but it's just all following that same purpose. Yeah. Right? That's so good. And, it doesn't have to be more than that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't need to be this existential, like grand thing. Yeah. It's literally just like find things that you can work with people on. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I love that because I'm, I'm sure like how, how does that affect your motivation, your ability to show up as the best version of yourself every day? Uh, well it also allows me to discern between things that I don't want to do. Hmm. So, for example, I um, peak Adderall phase when I was uh, actually working um, at High Impact Coaching, like going through that program, mm-hmm. wanting to pursue the entrepreneurial path. I was kind of alone, right? Um, you know, I had the support of High Impact Coaching to, to help me, you know, guide through that. But like, I had a lot of resistance around pursuing the entrepreneurial because that can be super lonely. And being a solopreneur, and right? it's a solopreneur yeah, yeah, endeavor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was hard for me. Yeah. Right. Um, You know, thinking about like all these different times in my life where I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to get into real estate. Well, as a, you know, in real estate, you're doing a lot of things alone. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, I want to get into investing Well, I'm, you know, having to sit at my computer alone and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, do all this research by myself. Like, that's not me. So it's just like allowed me to understand what's what's in my lane and what's out of my lane, you know? That's super empowering. So empowering. There, when you when you begin to really know yourself, then it allows you to navigate and makes decisions a lot easier. Big life decisions a lot easier with what, like you said, I like the way you put it, with what's in your lane or what's out of your lane. Yeah, it's like um, uh, one of the phrases I love is uh, "be the fish." Mm. Around the quote from Einstein: "If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll live its whole life thinking it's stupid." And all of each of us is a fish in our own way, and we have to figure out. Like when you put a fish in a tree, it's going to not have a good time. But when you put a fish in the water, the fish is going to swim around and have a 
fantastic old time. Yeah. So you found what being the fish means to you and honoring that and what your water is. And every now and then you're going to need to get lost in the tree branches again to remember to bring you back to like to the water and keep you in the lane that, you know, feels super effortless and flowy in that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm swimming right now. Swimming. Yeah. And so, I mean, these are, I mean, these are profound, seemingly profound understandings, realizations. And, and the thread that I draw from this is like, you, you've put in the work and you've decided to get to know yourself. Like, this is all like, this is, this conversation is a very high level of self-awareness that we're talking about here. Like that you have this very high level of self-awareness. What has led you to having that high level of self-awareness? You got to put in the work. And what do you mean by put in the work? Like what work do you put in? You have to, I, I, well, one thing, one big thing is I seek opportunities to get coached as much mm -hmm. as possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like it's just this hack as an adult, you know, as kids, it was so easy to get coached in sports or, you know, you have your teachers around right. you, right? Parents. <laughs> we're, we're out in the real world and now we're just like, okay, figure it out for your, on your own. Like, no, dude, the coaching is so important. So having that that support system, having someone to kind of ground you um, and keep you focused on on, on attacking goals too, mm -hmm. right? Not, not just like, um, you know, reflecting on the past, but also moving forward towards, you know, your vision and your goals, right? Um, but it, it does take some reflection as well. The journaling, um, you know, the, the meditation, the breath work, um, you know, just having that is is also yeah. super important in that process i feel yeah there's I, I ask this question a lot to people that i i feel have a high level of self-awareness and the two themes that i get back are the two answers that i feel like are, are pillars are feedback and reflection hmm. like a combination yeah. of really i guess you could say it's all feedback internal and external feedback yeah giving yourself feedback, debriefing. We have a, a family friend who is a commander of a, a former commander of SEAL Team One. He's a Navy SEAL commander. And I was having a great conversation with him. And one day, hopefully down in the future, I can get him on the podcast once he's able to talk about some of the declassified stuff. But <laughs> he was talking about, uh, I asked him like, what, what, makes, what makes their operations so elite? What makes them the best in the world at what they do? And I was thinking maybe they're going to say like, the resources they have or some of their training protocol. And he said, without hesitation, the way that they debrief everything, mm. the way that they debrief training exercises, the way they debrief missions, their debrief process after everything that they do, they have like a round table debriefing process. And that's how, what allows them to get better. So I love that. And I've always taken that with me around that like feedback and that debriefing with yourself, quieting with meditation or journaling reflection and then also like receiving feedback from just blind spots that you can't possibly see like you know in the car we have that little blind spot detector which is great like why don't we have that in our life yeah and that's what the value in coaching has been for me and i think for you too yeah so like feedback and uh and and reflection in those ways are those things that are a part of your life in very very big ways oh definitely yeah yeah, yeah. and in the ways that we talked about with coaching and mm -hmm and the reflection through journaling and, and things like that. Um, and also just conversations with friends and yeah, you know, it, does, it doesn't have to be super formal, right? Like you don't have to sit down and 
write about it. Mm -hmm. You can just talk about it with people. That's great. I love that point. One of the best things that we would always do is tea time. Like we love doing tea time. And with Chad and Danny and Ryland in LA in our apartment, like when we first moved to LA too, before we got like swept up too much in the social scene and like before we knew anybody and we didn't have, before we had friends, like we just had each other. So what we would do literally pretty much every single day Certainly every week we would do this at least once or twice a week. We would sit around in a circle on the floor and we would make tea and we would go around and have a conversation or we would do the same thing when we would sit for Shabbat dinners and go around and just debrief Rose Book Thorn, something beautiful that happened, something that stung you, something that you learned or, you know, highs and lows, like just being able to go around and have that container with friends to be able to like share how you doing, right? And then be able to get assurance, get feedback, get support. Like creating that collaborative environment, that's something I've always loved about our, our friend group is that we've that's been such a uh, such a, a cornerstone of the way that we operate together is is that open communication. So that's a great, great point about yeah. feedback. It doesn't need to be sitting with a therapist necessarily or um, or investing a ton with coaching. It can just it can be honest and open conversations with your with your friends as a way to invest your time. Yeah, which is why it's super important to. You know, it's that old saying that everyone says, it's like, uh, you, you're the product of the five people that you surround yourself with. Right. Yep. And that's why it's important because that feedback and reflection process, if you have <clears throat> the space to talk about that with your friends, um, or with your family or, you know, mm-hmm. whoever you're around the most, then there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of value. Yeah. A lot, a lot of growth to be had from that. And then just support through the challenges like we're talking about. But to have that is it's really everything. Yeah. Um, so a, a random kind of sidebar here, something that I uh, something that you do differently than a lot of other people is that you're not on social media, are you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're off social media completely. Yeah, since like February of, of or March of 2020. Yeah. So you've been um, over a year. What is it? Yeah, right? Almost. Yeah. Over a year, a year and a half. Year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. You've been, you've, been, uh, you've been a year and a half, 18 months without social media. What was the reason behind that? And what is it like being off the grid? Dude, uh, we, I think we've talked about this before where it's like this social media is like you're either consuming or you're creating. Mm. Yep. I, I'm a creator in, in some ways, but I'm not a creator on social media. Like I just, that's not my thing. Yep. Right. Um, and so I don't like post very often. I don't, uh, share a lot of stuff. Um, but I do a lot of consuming when I'm on social media, mm. uh, consuming a lot of BS, <laughs> you know, like that's not actually adding value to my life. Um, and just distracting me from, from the present. Right. Um, you know, as simple as just waking up and first thing you do, pull up Instagram. Like that was just a, a habit that was like scary that kept kept happening, right? And I love one thing that clicked is one thing you mentioned to me was it, it's, um, you know, there's people at Apple uh, that are literally scientists trying to figure out how to keep you addicted to your phone and it's them versus you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... And I'm not letting them win that. Right. You know? <laughs> like it's you versus the PhDs who get yeah. paid millions of dollars yeah. to keep you addicted on your phone, right? Yep. And uh, no, they're not winning that game. So I, I just decided, like one day, cold turkey, delete all the apps. Um, I I started with like notifications, like silencing them, but I mm-hmm. still found myself 
going back to Instagram, pulling that up. Um, so I just deleted every app. Um, I had some friends to keep me accountable through our RLG. And, you know, after the first couple of weeks, it was like nothing. Like it was, it, it really didn't affect me yeah. at all. Um, and I feel like I, I could go back, mm-hmm. um, but I have no reason to. And I, it doesn't feel like it's like, you know, I could have an urge here or there to download Instagram. It just, um, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. You know, yeah. like I have no reason to, I do consume a lot of Ohio state football articles on my phone. So, um, I still, I still need to cut back on that, but right now is not the right time. Nothing's ever missing. Still consuming. Just yeah, different areas. Exactly. But yeah. probably a whole lot less. Yeah, exactly. Than you were before. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like you miss out on because of it? No. And honestly, Katie is my, uh, my liaison (laughs) (laughs) with the real world. Like I don't watch any news. I don't watch, I don't consume any social media. So Katie is like my news anchor and like my friend, uh, that, that informs me of, (laughs) of all my friends updates and stuff. That's good. That's helpful to have. Yeah. I'm sure to have, have a bit of an anchor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) otherwise I feel like I'd miss out on, I'd miss out on a few things. I'd miss birthdays or whatever, like the notifications from Facebook. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it, that FOMO is is not really um, yeah. It's not really necessary to dwell on. I feel like yeah, I feel that F- Facebook birthdays is the greatest thing that Facebook has done. Yeah, um, we should create a different birthday app that's just like yeah. you get a text when it's one of your friends' birthdays. Like, because I also have a lot of people on Facebook that I don't keep in touch with or don't know personally, even yeah. through the years. So like I want I want to be able to have the list of my friends like birthdays who I absolutely want to reach out to. Yeah. Well, let's let's create it. <laughs> let's do it. We did something like that in college. I always loved we were always tinkering with different ideas yeah. and business plans and things like that. Being part of that entrepreneurial minded mm-hmm. uh that, that was one thing that I always appreciated about our friendship in college was being able to just was think differently in that way. Like I remember one night we were we like rented out space, like a, a conference room in the library and you know, we were doing a business plan late into the middle of the night while everybody else was out. And that was like so fun in yeah. those ways. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and I love doing that because I was part of a team. That's right. You're right. You know what I mean, like part of a team. Yeah. Yeah. And the Adderall didn't hurt in that. In that, in that Adderall probably team. didn't hurt at that late uh, occurrence. But yeah, <laughs> that's so funny, man. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I, I really inspires me about you is um, is your ability to like achieve achieve goals and just set your mind to something and then do it Mm. i'm curious to hear what your perspective on that is is it just like i know you put in the work that's required to hit those goals and do those things but it seems that like whatever you decide you're going to put your mind to like it it happens why how tell me more about that sure i well i think with any goal it's important to work your way backwards like Mm -hmm. Um, we've done a lot of those exercises where you kind of start with the, the vision and, and what you want. Um, and then, you know, establishing that, that concrete smart goal. Right. Uh, so there's like the tactical things to it. Right. Um, but then there's the, the why goal, which I think often gets overlooked and something really cool. I had a breakthrough with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to establish why you're pursuing a goal. Because sometimes the end goal, like whatever, let's say it's 
a weight goal, like you're mm -hmm. working out, like actually this is the exact example. So it's like, I want to weigh 185 pounds, uh, with 15% body fat by X date. Right. That's a great smart goal. Right. Um, but the why is like, because I want to feel confident in my body. I want to feel, you know, comfortable taking my shirt off at the beach. I want to feel, you know, athletic and, and, mm -hmm. and strong. And one time I was like on my way to that goal, but like, I didn't even want to like measure, like step on the scale. I was like, I don't need to step on the scale because I just hit my why goal. Like I feel these things already, you know, it doesn't matter what's on the scale, right. which is just such a cool thing. So you can even transcend that like smart goal by focusing on the why aspect, which is really what, you know, the bottom line is for setting goals. Right. Cause uh, that's so great. I remember that happened when you like just, yeah. and you kind of just accidentally, you're like transcended that goal. You're like, dude, you hit it. Like you did it. You did the thing. Yeah, I did it. Uh, and the, the, the why goal is something that we, anytime we want something, it's because we feel like we will feel better in the having of it. Mm. That's like Abraham Hicks one one. We desire things because we feel like we will feel better in the having of it. So, why not start focusing on feeling better now on our way to having it? And then what we want physically arrives or becomes obsolete because we, 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 we cut to the chase. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like when I cut to the chase and let's be honest, like most goals that we set for ourselves, they, they become irrelevant after yeah. a, a few weeks, a month, you yeah. know, like literally it's, it's, it, it with it's like clockwork you if know? you do that it, in the right way yeah uh, for a lot of people they become irrelevant because they get disconnected to it or they don't know their why and they're just focused on like exactly playing the number game of getting lost in the in in the scoreboard of the 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 scale or the, the you know the actual thing and they forget they're not connected to why they're actually doing it yeah which actually also comes back to like another tactical thing around goal setting and, and actually achieving those is is the how hmm. um because you need to have like consistency in order to reach a goal, I feel. So um, usually the how is, I think, a like a daily task. Um, so let's say you're, um, let's say you're working towards like cutting back weight or something, mm -hmm. right? Um, maybe the, the how is you need to get in, you need to wake up first thing in the morning because the rest of your day then unfolds the right way. So the, you wake up on your first alarm and everything else flows the way that it should. Because mm. as soon as you don't wake up on the first alarm, when you snooze, then you lose that time to work out. You lose that time to get some steps in on a morning walk, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so if you start your day when you agreed with your past self, your the night before of when you wanted to start your day, then the momentum carries. So like the how could be as simple as wake up on first alarm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and that's like everyday occurrence, which bleeds into all the different goals that you have. Right. Um, I think that's actually probably the secret sauce is, is not snoozing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It, it's whatever it might be for you. It's finding that, that tactical thing, like the domino action. Yeah. Not all actions the are domino equal, action. like yeah. what's that one action that will knock down the set of dominoes and lead to all the other positive change. And for you, it sounds like it's waking up on the first alarm without snoozing. Yeah. And Secret to that is accountability. Um, <laughs> we had the rocket launch group thing where uh, we would actually hold each other accountable by saying, 
if I don't text you, if I don't send a message in the group chat by 5.32 a.m., then I owe each person in this chat $25. I'm going to Venmo you $25. Yeah. And it got higher and higher over time because it would just never Venmo you because I'd always hit that goal because I don't want to Venmo you $25. Right. <laughs> and that right. adds up when you have a few people in the group, right? So like really actually holding yourself accountable the accountability system in general is great. Like having people to, to keep you yeah. on that goal. Yeah. Um, but like having some, what would you say? Like, uh, something to sacrifice or something. Uh, yeah. Um, a, a good way that I, I can't remember who one of these self-development authors put, um, either a carrot or a stick. We can either motivate ourselves by like, you know, by chasing a carrot, something reward like that, or a stick, a smack in the ass when we don't do the thing. I prefer a combination of both. Reward yourself when you do the thing after the, you do a full week of doing the thing, reward yourself with it, or if you don't, then you do this thing. Yeah, no, that's that's the way to approach it, yeah. I think, yeah. That's what helped me, at least. That's great. That's uh, something I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm working on writing. Um, I'm working on writing a thousand words every single day towards a book that I'm working on. And at the end of the week, I have a friend that I'm texting and if I don't, if I'm not able to send him a screenshot of the word count on the document, but it's uh, 5,000 doing for 5,000 words a week. So for each five days of the week, if it's not 5,000 more than it was the previous week, then I have to demo him a hundred bucks. Um, if it is, then I get to go buy myself a nice expensive smoothie across the street with this like full, fully loaded and all the stuff so I can treat myself. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Accountability is good. Accountability is good. And I love those texts that would light up our group chat like 5.31 a.m., 5.32 a.m. Awake, I'm up, I'm up. Yeah. <laughs> and awesome. I was on the East Coast, so you'd actually get them So, up. yeah, we were getting two. <laughs> I remember one time I was out late, a rare occurrence where I was very, I was out very, very late. I was up very, very, very late. And I got the text while I was still awake from the previous night. I'm like, let's go, Emil. Yeah. Uh, dude, this is awesome. I feel like we got a lot of really, really great stuff here. Um, I appreciate you sharing and opening up and, and sharing um, the Adderall story and, and just some of these deeper insights and self-reflections. Um, is there anything else that you want to share as we close, as we wrap up here with our, with our time together? I think it all just comes back to, uh, gratitude, mm. you know, um, gratitude for the support for the positive things in your life, as well as the gratitude for the negative, the challenges, because they all have equal value. And, and as, as soon as you can, find gratitude and all of that, then you're just empowered to, to tackle anything in life. Really. Um, it, it's, it's quite an awesome feeling. Beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you, Emil. Lots of love to you, bro. And can't wait to have you on again sometime soon, man. Thanks, Joshua. Love you, buddy. Love you too, bro.